0: Hello, everybody. Friends, welcome to Dope Nostalgia, and I'm your host, Naomi. My special guest today, making his second appearance on the show, is the Guitar Dojo. That's Nick Morrison. You can find him on his YouTube channel, at Samurai Fingers on social media as well. And he'll teach you so many cool things about guitar playing. He's a genius, and he's really fun to talk to. And we decided he's a big fan of the Tea Party. The Tea Party is a very popular Canadian rock band. Uh, they have an album called Triptych. So Nick is here to go through that album track by track with me. Here's some information on Triptych, the album from the Tea Party. Wikipedia moment.
1: Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist bio, that stuff is real truth.
0: Triptych is the Tea Party's fifth album, released in 1999. It has the trio blending the major influences found on their previous albums, the earthy rock of Splendor Solace, the world music-inspired arrangements of The Edges of Twilight, and the industrial edge of Transmission. After the gloom of Transmission, which relied heavily on sampling and electronica, for Triptych, the band wrote with both melody and content, while using electronica subtly. This is evidenced by the Juno Award nominated single, Heaven Coming Down, the band's first number one single in Canada. The album itself reached number four on the Canadian album chart and received a Juno nomination for best rock album before achieving double platinum sales in Canada. In June 2000, the EMI labels in Europe released Triptych Special Tour Edition 2000, which included a bonus disc of eight unreleased songs. In 2005, Triptych was ranked number 435 in Rock Hard Magazine's book, The 500 Greatest Rock and Metal Albums of All Time. All right, friends, it's time to introduce to you again, Nick Morrison, our special guest, the Guitar Dojo. So today we're going to talk about Triptych, which is the Tea Party's fifth album right
2: uh is it the fifth i thought it was the fourth
0: you know i thought so too but i've got the wiki open up beside me here to try to keep myself from making too right right right
2: because i think there's so there's splendor solace well if you then if you take uh, technically it could be the sixth because there was the self-titled release album before splendor solace then -hmm. there was splendor solace um edges of twilight then yep. they did Alhambra. Oh no, excuse me. They did Transmission. Then they did Alhambra, but Alhambra wasn't new music. It was oh, what was Alhambra? It was an acoustic re-recording of songs from, um, uh, from Edges of Twilight. So it was like Sister Awake and um, what else did they do? Uh, Fire in the Head, and there was a couple of them, but that's all it was. So it was just an acoustic rework. And mm-hmm. then they did uh, Interzone Mantras, and then to and then Triptych. Right. So I think is that technically i'm just talking like in terms of like full-length albums right i'm being a snob yeah
0: no um, no no it makes sense because
2: oh so yeah I no i guess that's five okay anyway so there's,
0: so there's album numbers and then there's studio albums so i mean like right, right, to right. me a studio album is all brand new material
2: right time. yeah exactly
0: um so this would be their fifth album not
2: studio yeah. album probably fourth studio album yeah fourth studio album yeah okay
0: right, right, right at the end of the decade um now I yeah. was very familiar with Tea Party being a Canadian. Of course, you're gonna hear them a lot on the radio, on Much Music. They did, were in high right? rotation. Big band. Yeah. I was I was not really into them at the time when Fair they came enough. out. First of all, being the fact that all I could see was the doors when I looked at them. And yeah. I'm not a doors fan. Fair. Lots of friends of mine are. So they've tried to introduce me to the benefits of listening to the doors. Right. but It's just never caught on for me. Now, how Fair. did you discover the tea party?
2: So they're actually from my hometown. They went to my high school. Oh, cool. And um, they're several years older than I am, obviously. Um, We're well, not obviously, but like close. I think Jeff Martin is maybe eight years older than I am. And um, and they're all about the same age, Stuart and, and the other Jeff as well. Um but through friends of friends i kind of know them and my best friend's father was their stage and lighting director for like their first two or three tours so he came back off of tour and had like a bunch of tea party merch and like some cds and t-shirts and whatever else and he gave a a cd and a t-shirt to me and and his son and that's how i first heard them um and then of course kind of was instantly a fan it's funny because you mentioned the doors thing because obviously jeff martin looks so much and kind of sounds like jim morrison but i don't know oh, I, I think i think he's, I think better. he's a better vocalist and he's jim a better morrison. vocalist um but uh their music of course being so much more closely related to like almost like led zeppelin although i feel that's a bit mm-hmm. of a disservice um because they have so much more or so much different i feel um inputs and and ways of making their music than zeppelin did like not taking anything away from either of them but they're very distinctly different fans. although um jimmy page actually gave i i want to say his number two Les paul to jeff martin yeah yeah they met at some point there's some i don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's a if it's a thing but they met at some point and jimmy page said i want you to have something because you're like the only real rock and roll guitar player right now and this wow. was in the mid 2000s, I think. So kind of cool, kind of literally passing the torch, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I first, how I first heard of them. And then being again from Windsor, um, when I was going to university, there was this, I don't even know if it's still there. I haven't been back in years, but there's this bar called the Ardvark Blues Cafe, mm-hmm. where they used to play quite a lot. And I was there one night doing like a weekend gig with, with a band and uh, Jeff and Jeff happened to walk in. And they were just, you know, having beers and relaxing, whatever else. And there was a little bit of commotion because you like they were local celebrities, right? Like, you know, even if you didn't know, you were still like, yeah, hometown boys, right on. This is cool. Mm -hmm. And uh somehow, I can't remember if it was if it was um uh I I think it was Jeff Burroughs, um, came up and said, Hey, do you mind if if Jeff and I sit in with you guys? And, uh, it was kind of like whisper whispers through the band. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So yeah. we actually got to jam and we played a bunch of, um, bunch of blue standards and some Zeppelin and they, they did, uh, um, a couple of their own tunes as well. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. What a thrill. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. And, were, they were, and they were super cool dudes and like, no, like crazy, like star egos. This was like before mm-hmm. triptych came out. So mm-hmm. they weren't huge yet. Like even though, um, each album that they released from spender solace, they sort of, they got bigger and bigger, but yeah. even within Canada, they were never that huge. Cause they kind of flew under the radar. They never broke in the States. They really broke in Australia. The really Australians love them. Yeah. Jeff Martin actually lives in Australia now. No way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: that's fantastic. I'm glad that you have a lot of knowledge. Tea Party knowledge to float through this <laughs> episode because I'm going to be doing a lot of learning as much as I okay. tried to research. But sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I as far as I was concerned, I thought as far as Canadian bands went, and in, in in our hub, in our circle, in our bubble yeah. of Canadian music, that they were quite huge, um, and still are. Like they're very revered in Canada. Yes, I, I feel like they were even by the time when Transmission and edges of twilight came out i felt those albums were very huge in this country as well
2: yeah they were definitely big albums but i mean you know if you put them up against other canadian acts at the time like shania twain or Mm -hmm. our late which obviously is a different genre of music but like our lady peace was humongous right bare naked ladies were really starting to make inroads and and starting to break in the u.s so by comparison The Tea Party just weren't as big. And because of that sort of Eastern flavor, what they call, uh, and I don't know whether they called it themselves or if pundits or reviewers sort of coined it, but they called it Moroccan roll, Yeah, that kind of Eastern influenced rock. And uh, it kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people or just didn't tickle people the right way. I know people like if you love them, you love them. Mm -hmm. And then I find everybody else is like, yeah, no, I don't like that band at all. But to your point, like being really revered, I feel like any musician in Canada gets them, understands them and does holds them up kind of on a pedestal because they're all incredible musicians. They all can sing. They all write and play. Each one of them plays at least four or five instruments and not just like, oh, yeah, I can pick up a flute and play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Like they can mm-hmm. actually play more than one instrument. And like they're they're very, very skilled dudes.
0: Kind of put them on par with like Big Wreck in that regard.
2: Yeah, or um, Rush, really. And I yeah. believe they're actually on Rush's management. So, you know, that, that lineage is there, right? Power Trio, multiple mm. instruments each, epic, epic songs. Yeah.
0: I think that was one of the things that are appealing to them for me is that world music sound that they incorporate into so many tracks. I think that's one of the oh, things yeah. that I enjoy about them because I yeah. – I just absolutely love hearing like music from different cultures, especially totally. out like the Eastern stuff. It's just got yeah. so many beautiful instruments and I think it's great that they turn that and then they add the crunching guitars and, and everything oh, yeah. and make it rock and roll. I think it's fantastic.
2: Definitely. Yeah. I think and I think we I think we talked about this last time I was on, maybe not, but I I'm a weirdo, um <laughs> in so much as I never I I rarely pay attention to lyrics. So when I do, and they're great lyrics, like the tea party has, I'm like, ah, it's worthwhile. But usually because I'm a musician, I'm listening to melody. I'm listening to rhythm. I'm listening to harmony and how it all sorts of interplays Mm -hmm. and the Eastern influences, the Eastern music, uh, excuse me, instruments, um, you know, the drums and the different stringed instruments that they use, um, really tickle my fancy. Uh, but beyond that, or the point I was trying to get at is like, I'm so weird. Like I like to even listen to music. That's non-English. So like in Mm -hmm. Calgary, we have um, when like Toronto and whatnot has it as well, like CQHR, um, where they do like community programming. So like Tuesdays is Filipino day and Wednesdays is Chinese day. Thursdays is Punjabi music. And I'll just turn it on when I'm cruising in my car. And I just like listen to really cool music that I don't understand the lyrics to. So I'm completely not distracted. And I just love listening to all of the different rhythms and, and melodies and things that aren't Westernized.
0: For sure. Punjabi especially, man. I love that.
2: They got some cool stuff.
0: Oh, it's so good.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Triptych. um, So initially listening to this album, looking over the track list, I looked at it and said, I know two songs. Yeah. Two radio hits. Although there were, I guess, four or five singles off this album.
2: Yes. Yeah. So Heaven Coming Down, Messenger, Um. Touch. Chimera, I think. Oh, touch and mm-hmm. gone. Probably the other one, right? I and think.
0: these living arms, not oh, chimera. Okay. Thank you for My saying God. chimera because I was trying to figure out how to pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, nice. So that's quite a few singles from one album, um, yeah. but but the t- but the two big ballads were the ones that really struck on Canadian the radio. And
2: heaven coming, yeah, heaven coming down. Especially, I think that was their biggest radio hit like ever. This this album, I think, was their highest grossing album. Um, because mm-hmm. of that single and you know, the cool thing, cause we, we talked a little bit earlier too, about like Alhambra and, um, uh, even transmission and like interzone mantras. I feel like that was a little bit of them sort of stepping away. Like transmission especially was like really electronica focused and like a lot more harder rock and it kind of stepped away from their Eastern influences. Mm-hmm. And then, um, with this album, I feel like it really kind of came back to what they were best at. Which is that yeah. blending, right?
0: Was "Temptation" on that Transmission album?
2: "Temptation" was from Transmission. Yeah, that was the 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 lead the lead song and the lead single.
0: That's definitely my favorite uh, single of theirs. That was like of a heavier type of track.
2: Yeah, um, and it's so interesting. You're not the only one. Most people I talk to when we talk about the Tea Party, most people tell me they're like, "Yeah, yeah, Temptation's my favorite song." And I'm like, "I actually hate it. It's my least favorite Tea Party song. <laughs> I don't it, like is Transmission it overkill? in general." No, I just don't like it. It had that kind of like real, like gritty, raunchy, like nine inch nails kind of sound to it. Uh, And I just never got hip to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I get it. I understand why people like it. And I mean, it's not a bad song. It's just Mm -hmm. for me personally, I'm like, no, no, I'd I'd like to hear real acoustic instruments rather than just keyboard stuff, right? That's just me Mm -hmm. being a music snob again.
0: (laughs) Real tone. And the thing is, too, I like having these conversations with people who don't agree. When we don't agree, it makes it so much more interesting. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely. What? How much fun is it to sit and listen to two people, like, agree 100% on everything for two hours or for oh, an hour or whatever, right?
0: I, I know, I know. It's so funny. Um, but if we were to go track through track, the funny thing is, as I listened to the album, I I went through it twice because I said, okay, sometimes you change your mind the second time around. Right. Um, the, I didn't really like the album until I got through the halfway point.
2: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So... It's funny. Yeah, I think I, I don't know if I agree entirely in terms of the, in terms of the split, but I do what you, I do see what you're saying because once you get to track six, which is the messenger, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: although heaven coming down is a little bit earlier, but like when you get to track six, it really does kind of take over that more traditional tea party sound feel. Everything production. got a bit
0: more melodic for me. A after more melodic, that point. A more
2: interesting. Yeah, touch kind of starts off with like a big farting keyboard, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> right? I hate that. Um, it, and it's a good song, <laughs> you know. But
0: well, talk yeah. by talk, starting with number one, touch. Sure. I hated it absolutely okay. <laughs> hated it now to, i don't know why i felt there was too much happening i can't relax listening to this it's making me anxious but i can see why it's got the energy to kick off the album yes you know yeah. it is a good opening
2: track it but is it a was good just like act. it was like nails on a chalkboard to me i couldn't handle it i feel like this is again kind of a little bit of a leftover from transmission where they were like trying to be a little bit electronica and like trying to like fit in with the times like i feel this track Jeff probably wrote it on guitar and then they were like, let's try it with keyboards to make it more modern. Like had that been a guitar riff, Mm. I think this song would have been really great. Yeah. You know, but kind of the way it is, it's a little bit like, again, it's got that farty keyboard thing. And I'm just like, (laughs) no, I love that you say that. It's it's also, it's reminiscent of a track from their next album or two albums from their uh, writing on the wall. Mm. Right. Where the, it's like that kind of down tuned guitar. Um, and it's got a very similar vibe to it, although this track is a little, I feel like the other thing with this song with touch, it's like a minute, maybe in a minute and a half too long.
0: <laughs> it like is it 357. Yeah, it, it could have
2: been a two minute, and, two minute and 25 second song and it would have been perfect. Like mm-hmm. as a radio signal rock song, like that would have been enough.
0: I would give this song another chance if you broke it down to the elements and reconstructed it. Like right. in more of a basic instruments fashion, you know. Yeah maybe it would be different and i always try like i'm like you i like to listen for the music i'm not really a lyrical person right um and i just the melody wasn't coming out to me because i felt so buried in all the mechanical mm-hmm. sounds going on i couldn't deal with it
2: yeah it is a very heavily produced album as well um they weren't working with bob rock yet but he I was believe- jeff produced it yeah, well, he produced most of their albums and and at least mm-hmm. co-produced them. Um, "Writings on the Wall," I think they they had they brought in they brought in Bob Rock, but that was later on,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um and he was responsible for like the Metallica Black album and like Motley Crue Doctor Feelgood. So it would have and those tracks did when you listen to it, they have a much more bigger, broader like radio style, classic rock band production to them, where this stuff is a little bit more like over the top, just. Mm-hmm let's throw everything with the kitchen sink in it too. Um, and I, you know, it's Stuart Chatwood, if you don't know, I, I think it was around this time started doing, um, video game soundtracks. Okay. So he worked on Prince of Persia and he worked on, um, what else did he do? But like, so like him in his home studio writing these big, massive, like epic, adventure game soundtracks and i feel a lot of that sort of bled into his contributions to the band from this point forward which again it's not a bad thing but i think it added to the kitchen sink approach of touch so
0: <laughs> and going from touch into underground underground i heard was quite a popular song people seem to enjoy it i felt it got worse for me <laughs> <didn't>... how so <laughs> i don't know i think that the actual song itself touch had some hope because i kind of thought that like if you break it down right because it was a rocker but underground it just does nothing for me at all oh, interesting yeah is it, is it I, I don't want to be the... a negative nancy on this episode and i'm not going to be but i mean like Fair.
2: no this is not the track for me <laughs> interesting i feel like it's like So this is, again, it pulls a lot of the, when the drums kick in around 40 seconds, 41 seconds, something like that, it's almost an exact copy of one of the drum beats that they use, one of the drum loops that they used from um, Temptation or from, from Transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't mind it in this song because there is the actual guitar and this is, again, it's kind of a callback to like Splendor Solace era um, of the kind of really slow bluesy floaty kind of style that they had. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't think this is my favorite track on the album, but I do like it Yeah, (laughs) and I enjoy it. And I feel like the, it sets up, like if you look at the, if you look at an album, almost like a three act play,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. this is kind of that perfect setup for things that are coming later. Like, just in terms of the 12-string guitars and the blending of some of the melodic elements with the guitars, the way that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: So with that being said, do you feel like this album looks, I and mean, when you look at it as an entire unit, it all flows it together into, to create a story, like as in one album? Because in some albums, they just throw songs together. It's just a bunch of go, songs, right? yeah. I feel like it songs. is. Is
2: this, is this a story throughout? I, it's hard to say because I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily like a, a, a through storyline, mm-hmm. like a straight, like, you know, if you look at like when we last week talked, we talked about pornography, or, or if you look at like scenes from Mem- memory part two by dream theater, or you listen to 2112 by rush, like there's a clear operation mind crime by Queensreich. Of course, you know, we're going beyond the nineties at this point, but like mm-hmm. there's a clear through line. There's like a character and a story and a progression, an arc, a story arc. Yeah. I don't feel like that's the case with this album, but I do feel, again, like even if you look at the cover, it's got like three separate sections, three different areas of the clock, three different things to look at. And I mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like, and I don't know if I'm, I'm correct in this, but I feel like the album kind of reflects that, where you have like a beginning, a middle, and an end, um, and the first part is like almost like a macro overview of what the band kind of is and about, and you can include Heaven Coming Down on that. And then you look into Halcyon Days Messenger and I know I'm I'm skipping ahead, but you look in the Let's middle go. section and it's a little bit more micro and it's about the band themselves, kind of what they were going on. Like Jeff Martin had a yeah. Halcyon addiction. That was kind of the whole point. Um, huh. And, you know, uh, different things that were going on. And then the last section, again, is kind of like that middle. And again, I'm talking about the pictures on the cover, but it's like that middle point where it's like it's almost like three sides to every story, right? Like yours, mine, and the truth, Mm -hmm. right? So micro, macro, micro, and then kind of medium shot, and then kind of um, almost like a happy medium to end off the album. I feel like maybe thematically that's what they were going for. And maybe that's just me being hopeful. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I understand that it it feels like when you listen to it, that the songs do tend to be placed in the right positions. Mm Mm-hmm you know, not necessarily story wise, because like I said, I'm terrible at listening to lyrics anyways, but like, yeah, yeah. I feel like music wise, they are in the right spots, you know, yeah, it's not just thrown together.
2: No, definitely not. No. Um,
0: did you want to elaborate anymore on underground before we move on to the great big lie?
2: Uh, Yeah, I was just going to, I feel. So the last thing I wanted to, to, to just mention is the very ending, the final, like, 12 seconds or so Mm -hmm. where you get some again this is the part of my theory on the setup of the three parts where we get some echoing you hear a little bit of a clock and then it ends on the the piano just kind of moving up the melodic minor scale in this weird haunting reverby kind of way no i'm gonna do i'm gonna share
0: my audio and just play that sure you're cool with that
2: yeah and it's like the perfect slip into heaven coming down Oh, no, sorry, because the next one's Great Big Lie, right? Your but it's, audience. again, it's still, it's that. But Going yeah, that's, to... oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: You finished your thought.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, just it was that last sort of 15 seconds from Underground, which actually goes into Great Big Lie. But the, the ending of Great Big Lie also has like a kind of a weird fade out that then goes into heaven coming down. And I feel like mm. those two t- kind of together, elements set up the heaven coming down thing but we can talk about great big lie after uh I think next actually as
0: we should yeah great big lie uh I was starting to warm up to that song like yeah. yeah, so far it was the next one going okay I think that this is going to get better as a listening experience for me um, but it's still not a song that I would add to my music collection yet. Fair, we aren't quite there yet for me. But it's a little plodding, isn't it? Yeah. Uh,
2: I I like it. Um, I feel like it's it's got a lot of really cool elements, specifically. And again, if you're gonna fly this in later, around a minute, a minute thirty, what is it? A minute twenty nine, something like that, where they they suddenly fly in some tabla's I think it is plus Tom's and the drums start doing some really cool stuff mm. as they're in this sort of breakdown and it's very kind of 70s prog rock trippy to me it's like re- reminiscent of like um a little bit of like Yes or a little bit of Emerson Lake and Palmer almost it's ah. like a little heavier maybe so maybe Gentle Giant um it really actually what it reminds me of is um uh Spock's beard but they're much more modern than classic prog, but there's like a mooger fooger going on where there's like a bunch of like uh, like flanged distortion where the guitar kind of makes noise or the keyboard makes noise, but really all you're hearing is like,
1: it's
2: it's musical (laughs) though. It's not just noise. It's neat. I like it. Here we are. Yeah.
0: That feels Nine Inch Nails to me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but then there's that sound effect, right? That Mhm. But the whole while there's some really cool percussive stuff going on back in the background too. Yeah. Just a neat breakdown.
0: Oh yeah. I actually really like that breakdown much more than a standard guitar solo even. Like I yeah. felt that that felt really good to to add to that to to that track yeah
2: yeah it gave it something it it gave it something
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh for sure um like i think melodically there's not a lot happening for me there i don't know but definitely made it way more interesting and musically i think it was a well done song Mm. um going into
2: it fades out right and it uses the same sort of some of the same elements it borrows from underground and then it slips into heaven coming down
0: their first number one song in canada yes heaven coming down and i absolutely love the song yeah i think most people who hear it like it because it's it's radio friendly yes very radio friendly very melodic um yeah you can hear the traditional sounds of the Tea Party, I feel, in the guitar still.
2: Yep. Yeah, because he, um, he still uses his um, open-tuned guitar, mm-hmm. um, and he's got some, you know, very Tea Party isms.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Tea Party isms. I like that. But uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a simply written melody, and it's, I think personally as a writer that it's harder to write something that catchy, melodic. Yes than it is to write some kind of huge opus. Like, I think it's harder to write
2: the hook. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're they're difficult for different reasons, um, mm. but certainly writing radio hits as much as, I mean, I think a lot of musicians, and when I say that, I think what I mean is unsuccessful musicians. <laughs> they will <laughs> slag on people that write radio hits. Like, oh, I mean, anybody can write a pop song, but but it's like, actually, no it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of effort and sometimes you just get lucky Mm -hmm. but other times it is it's something that you work at and you actually figure out and they really figured it out with this one now so my question to you is though have you ever heard them do this live or if not hearing them do it live have you ever heard the song that it basically is
0: No. And no, I have not like the only time I've ever seen tea party perform live would have been on a television special or an award show or something to that effect, because not in memory. Do I remember that? But I, I've also never seen them in concert. Okay. Um, And no, I don't know the song that uh, you're referring to.
2: Right. So the interesting thing is if you listen to the, to the actual chord progression, because there's really only three chords. So it, it really is a three chord song minus the bridge. um and hang on i'm just gonna bring this up because i want to get this right before i say it because otherwise it's just going to be like what okay so the chord progression as jeff plays it and the actual sort of rhythm of the song everything in terms of the root movement now jeff plays a much better guitar part than the i'm not going to say the original song but i'm going to say the other song but if you listen to them doing it live, because I think a lot of people heard it and went, hey, guys, did you rip this off? Or like, what happened? <laughs> so it, you can literally overlay With or Without You by you 2 Over Heaven and oh. And it fits exactly. With the exception of the bridge. With the exception of the bridge. And yeah. so much so that when they do it live, they literally break it down and do With or Without You in the middle of the song.
0: That's cool. I love it's mashups very cool. like
2: that. Yeah, it's a great mashup. Now, I don't know. Again, I don't know if they wrote the song purposely to do that. It's very likely that they could have, right? There's that old saying: a good artist borrow great artists steal. Because um, at the end of the day, there's really only like, there's really only like twenty odd songs in the world that like people actually yep. like. There's right? only so and many they, chords. There's only so it, many and chords. Everything is just a you variation can't... of it anyway. You can't sue for
0: plagiarism with courts. It's just not right. You can't do that. Yeah, Exactly.
2: (laughs) So, you know, who knows if it was, if it was intentional or if it was not, or if it was just subconscious, but either way, it's a really cool mashup and it works perfectly well. Um, And I highly encourage you and the listeners, if they've never heard it before, search the tea party live, heaven coming down with or without you. And it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I mean, Jeff Martin's voice, the, the longing that he can emote is just it's top notch
0: especially in that bridge yeah in the bridge it's very emotion filled in his voice i can Mm -hmm. hear that um and i think going back to the with or without you thing like i think it happens all the time and i think sometimes you write the song and someone will tell you later hey did i sing along this song to it and then you go oh okay well i guess let's just play with that then sure but um Yeah, Um, I'm going to add that to our YouTube channel
2: in my playlist of featured artists. I'm going to add that video. Yeah, definitely. You should add add it. It's that people can check it out. It's a great mashup for sure. And there's lots of them. And again, sometimes you you do it by accident. Sometimes you don't. Um, There's a great one. And of course, they're uh, several decades apart. But um, so what is the. Oh, I can't even remember the, the proper name of it. Oh, Folsom, Folsom Prison Blues. By Johnny Cash, you can sing the lyrics to "Pinball Wizard" over top of it, and it works perfectly.
0: <laughs> Have you ever heard the four chord song that came out of uh, yes. Australia? The Axis yeah. of Awesome.
2: The Axis of Awesome, yeah, and it A talks about this that exact is. phenomena. Yeah, yeah.
0: Just change the change the key. Yeah. Put all the songs together it's yeah. fantastic
2: yeah because and i mean again that's that that's that one one four five uh one one six four five i think it is um, that's that a progression song yeah and it's so it's just so well it's pachelbel's canon that's really what it is right but i mean it's the backbone of like nearly every major blockbuster number one hit over the past 50 <laughs> years 60 years at this point right uh, yeah Years. are oh, so god a world anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true though i but, think yeah. uh i think that it's just it's amazing, though. Now, now I, I feel like we should challenge ourselves to write a song to that same progression, but I'm like, ah, maybe another day. <laughs>
2: sure. Another day, another podcast, right?
0: Another podcast. Yeah. All right.
1: After these
2: messages, we'll be right
1: back.
0: dope nostalgia listeners i love you and i thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years we have what's called patreon for those who want to support the show financially for as little as one dollar a month you can become a subscriber and get bonus content early podcast release all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff and more There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So please, join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia.
1: Throw on your Jinkas, Baby T's, and Doc
0: Martens, grab your Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper, and join Jackie and Danielle on a journey to the
1: late 90s as we reminisce about the movies of our youth on the No More Late Fees podcast. Don't forget your flannel and butterfly clips. And remember, be kind
2: and rewind. If you think this is magic, watch this
1: the etch-a-sketch magic screen turn the dials and like magic lines appear out of nowhere but the magic isn't just in how you draw it's also in how you erase
3: the one and only original etch-a-sketch from ohio art
0: magic in a box moving on to number five track five can you help me pronounce the word halcyon halcyon Yeah. Halcyon. Now you mentioned that being an addiction. Halcyon, I I Googled it and I don't really know what it
2: is. So it's what they call um, well, it's a drug. Okay. Um, but sometimes what they'll call it is twilight sleep.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Um, and they it it's a drug they actually have halcyon is the brand name, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's actually Triazolam. There you go, triazolam.
0: Try. thank you you said Sorry. it like
2: a doctor my apologies um that's my good. mom was a nurse but anyway that's um, good so yeah what they'll do is they they give it to patients in like dentist offices or um day surgery where the patient either can't or won't go undergo general anesthesia okay. and what it does is it basically knocks out your conscious mind mm-hmm. and you are still awake Ugh. but you are like your consciousness is asleep but you're awake so therefore you can't feel then they can give you the pain medicine um so like people that have like fear of needles like really bad like stuff yeah um things like that they'll also prescribe it and they used to and again this was back in the 90s right they used to prescribe it as like a sleep medication mm-hmm. so with a certain dosage it actually again because it does put the consciousness to sleep but i i can't remember the dosage if it's a super dosage or a Uh, micro dosage but either way one or the other it will actually work as like a a powerful sleeping drug and that's kind of I think mostly what it was used as but yeah the the big one is where they use it now is like dentistry day surgery um Mm -hmm. I think some psychiatrists and like psychoanalysts and things like that use it for you know delving the depth of the subconscious a little bit but for the most part it's the um the, the dentists and things and it's and it's kind of funny if you ever see somebody that's on it because they're they like fully awake they can walk around and they'll do stuff and it's almost it's not as bad as sleepwalking because sleepwalking is weird like they'll go and make a pancake and put it in their shoe right um, <laughs> but like if somebody's on halcyon they'll just be like up and about and doing things and you're like hey what are you doing and they're like i'm just getting a glass of water why oh, i don't know okay go sit down okay and then just go and <laughs> it's 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 a very strange experience that
0: sounds terrifying
2: yeah, and then when you wake up, you remember none of it.
0: That's the other thing.
2: Like, so you're not zero. even in a
0: dream. You're not even no, dreaming.
2: Just knocks wow. you out. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. Jeff. Jeff so Martin so he, was, was so definitely he had a problem with that with halcyon, among other things, I believe. But definitely the halcyon. I think he also liked um, um what do you call um the green the green liqueur with the dogwood ooh. in it or the ooh, wormwood ooh, 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 absinthe. Uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Man, that yeah. stuff's crazy poison. Ooh.
2: Yeah, yeah, not good. Do not do. Do not try this at home, kids.
0: Uh-huh. I've done absinthe once. Never again. Yeah, uh-uh. it was incredibly really, fun. The,
2: did you have the real stuff or did you, or just the super high alcohol stuff?
0: I'm I'm not sure because it was a different drunk than I've ever had. Like I didn't. I felt like I was like more stoned than drunk. But okay. the next day was the worst hangover I had ever had. So I really oh, don't know what it was. I was told it was absinthe yeah. at the time. But whether it was real or not remains to be seen. I have no idea. Interesting.
2: Did they serve it over a spoon with the sugar cube? Yes. Yeah, they did the whole thing? Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. That's what it's
2: happened. possible that it was the real stuff. They usually what they what they what I've found is again, because this is since the late sixties, mid seventies, maybe it's been it's like real absinthe is is outlawed in the United States and Canada. Ooh. because of the hallucinogenic effects so what they have is something that's flavored with the dogwood or wormwood sort of uh, essence okay. but it's basically just like 90 proof alcohol so like oh. you're drinking super 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 strong like grain alcohol and it's not good for you hence that really bad hangover right
0: maybe yeah maybe yeah. that's what it was <laughs> who knows because like maybe it was just part of it is you're thinking that you're having this crazy drink so maybe you drunk is different just
2: because yeah. That's what you think you're having. Right, the placebo effect, right? It's powerful. Yeah. yeah, Possible. So anyway, back to Halcyon Days, the song. (laughs)
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Um, What do you think?
0: Oh, I'm starting to, like I said, more into the halfway point is when I'm really embracing the songs. But I I can dig this song because I I dig it that we're back into that world music flavor again. Yeah. And it sounds like the tea party that I already knew. Yeah so the like the,
2: yeah like the cycling Early. of the hurdy gurdy right yeah. and that kind of like i don't know the the oud the middle eastern oud that he's playing mm-hmm. um and this is very droning they never really leave that through the whole song right it's kind of like that one tonal background uh, mm-hmm. working as a as a backbone through the entire song and then everything else kind of floats around it so you do mm-hmm. get that very almost like drunk, high, opioid kind of feeling of it, where it's which just like- it's Which is probably what makes sense. Which probably what they were matter. going for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a cool one. I like the ending of this song, I think more probably from around, okay, so I'm going to try and look at it from the actual time code now, not the time <laughs> left. Probably from the four minute on mark. I like this song. That to me is when the song really- kicks in but the funny thing is is you can't have those last four minutes unless you have or the last two minutes without the first four Mm -hmm. so you have to listen to it to like build it up right but that's the payoff i think when you hit that four minute mark and it kind of does the ascension um Ah. and it's a very cool a cool moment in the music to me
0: i want to hear this we're gonna go near near the end it's almost a six minute track too
2: it is yeah Right. So now we're actually getting some chordal movement versus the, just the drone.
0: I like what's happening with the drums there too. It's yeah. Kind of
2: and there's that oud again. I think you're actually at the that, end of the track. Right? Yeah. I am. Oh. Yeah, It just runs out to the end with that. So that's that humming, the
0: humming at the in the background throughout the entire thing where it kind of ends on that still being there.
2: Right which part well that's just synth i think
0: the uh that
2: but it definitely is yeah that same yeah that that either the guitar or keyboard whatever it is is definitely the same drone note that the whole song starts with yeah 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 it's a it's a it's a nice it's a banger for sure
0: <laughs> um number 6 the messenger is also one of the best known songs on this album yeah. I think this has always been my favorite Tea Party song. Yeah. I I love singing this song. Like, if Okay. I get so what to is it? it? Is it
2: the lyrics? Is it the melody? What does this for you?
0: Both. I actually like the lyrics in this and actually like listen to them. But like I really it's emotional. You feel mm. what he's singing and it just it's the melody for me is the biggest part. Um, I, I was surprised to find out that it was actually a cover of a Daniel Lenoir song. Okay, that's. Uh, I've always thought Daniel Daniel Lanois was more of a producer than yeah. an artist, but I guess he does have his own music as well.
2: Yeah, a I would lot love of, to go a ahead. A lot of producers are also songwriters too, right? So it might even hmm. just be something that he wrote and produced, but might never really released under his own kind of thing yeah
0: under the wiki the west the messenger is a song by canadian songwriter daniel lenoir it is the first track of his album for the beauty of winona oh there you go so it doesn't say what year that was but uh, yeah but yeah so technically this is a cover yeah uh which yeah i learned yesterday
2: (laughs) so (laughs) but it's a good one
0: yeah Yeah. very much so it's a cover i like to cover it's just a beautiful song
2: so, yeah, and it's interesting too, because, like I like it. i I agree. I think it's probably one of the more beautiful songs on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too bad that they didn't write it. yeah, <laughs> but I believe that this song was sort of the the um seed, if you will, that Jeff then later, when he did uh, oceans um and when he did um uh, letters the, the when when their when their manager died, he wrote a really nice song that's very reminiscent to me of the messenger. And I think this was kind of the seed for a lot of that, that came after, um, when, when Jeff is really good at reinterpreting other artists and making them his own. And I think that's one of the things that, that this song represents the best, because I've not listened to the original messenger by Daniel Lenoir in Probably twenty five years, so (laughs) because like to me this is this is the version, like this is the definitive version of this song. Um, Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll have to throw in a clip of the original, so people can get a taste of it.
2: Um, Vastly different. (laughs) I bet. Right. (laughs)
0: You listen to um, Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. It's so vastly different than every other cover I've ever heard of it. Yeah. You don't even realize it's the same song sometimes, but.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, you know, that's another one of those that has been covered so many times that it's almost lost all its original
0: meaning. It's been covered so many times, but each cover is the same. Like they're all acoustic covers. They're Sometimes, all yeah. pretty much close to one another. Yeah. Unless I, you know, I, I could be that I've given up on listening to new covers of it. Cause I assume they're all going to be the same.
2: <laughs> Fair. Okay.
0: But there could be, there could be some that are quite different. I'm unaware of that.
2: Um, I will give you an artist to check out that they did um a cover of it. The only place that I've ever seen it live. If there is, at least there used to be um on youtube they're called pain of salvation Hmm. and they it's still on youtube yeah so they do a cover of it it's live it was released 12 years ago on youtube so maybe 13 years ago on one of their live album dvds Mm -hmm. and it is the best version of this song that you will ever hear at least in my opinion um it's it's heart-wrenching and beautiful powerful heavy guitars and they use yes. church organ uh, and it's really cool. Pain of Salvation is a very, very like heavy progressive, like black metal band from Scandinavia. If you've Ooh, never heard cool. of them, um, okay. Daniel, what the hell's his name now? The the singer, sorry. Uh, Daniel, David, David or Daniel Glidnow. And um, the dude's got a voice
3: mm. and
2: he can scream and growl and like get guttural and like really um, gross if he wants to, but he can also sing like an angel. Okay. It's a very interesting, and he does all three of those things in this cover of Hallelujah. So if you've never okay. heard it, go check it out. Thank me later.
0: <laughs> I will. I will check it out. Yeah. Um, so this is the point in the album, of course, where I feel things are starting to get a little more enjoyable for me. Right. Um, although at some point I must have really like just the been tea embracing. Steeped. The tea is, yes, it is. <laughs> it's steeped and ready to be poured. I love this analogy. Uh, yeah. But for some reason I really stopped taking notes. Okay. And uh, maybe I was just listening at that point. So so okay. I'm so I might be a little bit behind on having things to say about each sure, song no so worries. I apologize on that. But we go into pronunciation again Samsara?
2: Yeah, Samsara, Samsara. I don't know exactly. I I don't I don't speak uh, Arabic but I, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty close. Um, and yeah, this one starts off with like I don't know if it is specifically, but it sounds like a call to prayer, mm-hmm. right? Or some sort of thing you get, you get the essence, like you're sitting in like old Bangladesh or like old Baghdad or like some market square somewhere in, you know, the mm-hmm. North of Africa in Egypt or something. Um, and then of course you're hit then with the Jimbe drums, the jimbe drums, um, mm-hmm. and you get like some, like fiddle or violin or something again just adding to the mood this song is all about mood for me Mm. yeah
0: what kind of is it in a was it a major or minor key for this one
2: this is minor for sure yeah yeah and i mean really it's like a full minute of full minute of like intro and mood before like anything before the drums hit enter and jeff starts singing
0: do you think there's a point that we should play here to listen to
2: uh, if exactly. you're talking about like setting the mood, like if you do maybe like forty five or fifty seconds into like a minute when he actually starts kicking in, and then you're like, Oh, okay, so that's what that song's about. Uh huh. Sorry, I'm just scanning through it now to see if there's anything else too then.
0: Yeah, see at this point I'm yeah. just kinda like relaxing and listening to it. Yeah it in rather than I stopped making any kind of points.
2: <laughs> it cool. wasn't, think... wasn't my
0: smartest idea, but still.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think production-wise, this one's using quite a lot of samples. I don't know if they recorded them themselves, but it's definitely the use of the blending of those elements, plus the samples, plus the live band, like, and it, it really is, this is classic Tea Party, you know? Um,
0: and it's layered well, it's not like touch, yeah. it's layered in a way that's not like too much going on.
2: Because they don't have the farting keyboards.
0: <laughs> and we got nice harmonies. Yes. Harmonies, we need vocal harmonies.
2: Right, and that's kind of what Samsara is, right? It's that cycle of life, the cycle of pain and suffering. So like, it's it's a bit on the nose, I think, in terms of like lyrical content and like concept for the song itself, but it works. Because yeah. again, it's that 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 Eastern philosophy, Eastern sounds, da 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 da, da. put it all together and you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is a rock song. This is a rock song, <laughs> right?
0: Did, did the, have you ever heard uh, the Tea Party discuss maybe in an interview why they're so influenced and why they use so much uh, different sounds and instruments world music-wise? They, because I'm not saying I'm just I'm so blown away by how good they are at
2: it. Yeah, they um, they, they have talked about it. And I mean, I, a lot of it, I think, comes from where they came from. So like, if you look at Windsor in the <coughs> 70s and 80s, there was a huge influx <clears throat> to the population in, of Windsor of Lebanese, Ooh. Moroccan, um, Nigerian as well. And um, although more of them came later, um, so Lebanese and then also other, um, uh, Arabic and Middle Eastern. So Iraq, um, Iranian, Kuwait, um, those folks. And so they were starting to, like, I went to school with, um, um, a bunch of like some Indian kids and like, um, uh, Iranian and Lebanese, like my best friend growing up was Lebanese. So like, Mm -hmm. I feel like they had that same sort of mixture of cultures and foods like that's when you know shawarma started to make its way into windsor now it's like there's a shawarma place on like every every corner right it used to be and this was like again this sort of like late 80s and into the 90s if you go a little bit further back like my family like my, my dad's family is greek so like if you look at like the 60s and 70s windsor was like all italian and greek Mm. Right. Like every, every other restaurant was like a Greek restaurant, like you know, flying Jimmy's or, you know, like an Italian, like Mamma mia's pizza pasta, you know? Um, and then it started to change over a little bit. So I think that that was that influence that they just saw and heard and people they were hanging out with. Um, and you know, there's a great tradition in, I think, middle Eastern cultures where many cultures are like this, but like, you know, it, it's not uncommon to, sit and gather with the family and have a meal, right? You know, in, in, in the evening, but it's like an all night affair where it starts at like six or seven at night and then goes till two or three in the morning and guaranteed at least one of the uncles, if not more plays an instrument or two instruments. And then the aunts sing and the uncles sing and everybody dances. And like, so it's, it's, that's kind of part of that culture. And I think they wanted to be um, probably part of that. And they took part in that. I'm sure they had friends and and then just took it to be their own kind of thing right
0: that's awesome like that they immerse themselves in this this culture and the sound i love it yeah going on to number eight a slight attack Mm. my goodness i don't even remember it (laughs) (laughs) i am the worst
2: um tell me about the song for you it's another this is to me kind of What, what can you say? It's a return to classic form of we're a rock band Mm. where there's definitely some of that Eastern influence, but we're not using as many of the instruments in this particular track. And there's more focus on guitar with big bombastic drums and, and, and vocal melody. Um, it's a cool track. There is a little bit more of, um, Stuart doing some production tricks with piano and a little bit of like swirling roads and that kind of stuff but by and large it's kind of a zeppelin rock song okay um, i don't think it's the strongest song on the album i like it um but to me i feel like at 12 so this is one of the things that happened in the 90s right we suddenly had access to an hour and a half 90 minutes of music on an album on a cd yeah. and all artists suddenly started going oh we need to fill all 90 minutes with songs yeah it's like, actually you, you didn't you didn't need to do that <laughs> Like, I feel like, honestly, I feel like a slight attack and, and maybe even underground or uh, Chimera maybe could have been left off this album and it would have been, a, and it would have been okay. You know? Okay. Um, but certainly this song, um, because it's, by the way,
0: I don't remember it. I just, like a, it didn't like do,
2: it didn't
0: know? really, I, I honestly think that I was probably listening throughout and letting it play and not even realizing it's changed from one song to another
2: and there's some cool stuff like don't get me wrong like it's a great it's a great it's a trip you know you could put this like you could take something put this song on for repeat for like an hour hour and a half and just be like cool man you know (laughs) like yeah that's kind of what it feels like to me but for the most part i feel like it's kind of just album filler so
0: fair enough Taking me away. I, it's a, it's a nice track. I feel like it's um, gets a lot of good reviews from some of the reviews I was going through.
2: Yeah. This is one of my more favorite albums or favorite songs on the, on the album. Mm -hmm. Um, The low bluesy bass, spacey piano, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: floating vocal, right? Lyrical content obviously is, is, is on point, but I really like, I've always liked this track. Um, and I I know I keep saying like it's like this return to like classic, tea party, but if you listen to the way that this is, along the sides of some of the songs on Splendor Solace or even Edges of Twilight, it's like it's like that but a little bit better. The production's better. They're a little older. Their songwriting is better. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a beautiful like if you want to play if you're gonna at some point oh sure um, maybe around around 1 th- 113 114 115 he starts singing kind of that pre-chorus uh, melody and then the mellotron comes underneath i think it's a mellotron it's like but there's counter harmonies that are happening right right and they just always are... right he might even be the counter melody to the strings or the Mellotron. But it's also cool because this is in a straight, straight ahead 4-4. Right? Yeah. Got that kind of neat little swing to it.
0: It does swing.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: I was trying to find the right word to describe what the beat was doing. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. And do you... That's the first time I can remember them doing a, that kind of a swing sound to too. Yeah,
2: like a swing or like a shuffle. Um, yeah. I feel like probably there's something I think on the first album that has it as well. Um, the, a couple of the, the acoustic, straight ahead acoustic tracks um, have a bit of a shuffle to them. Um, I'm trying to think of specifically the song, but they, they've definitely used it. But this is where it's really prevalent because the drums carry it. And Mm -hmm. so you really notice it more. I think it's easier to do like a shuffle or a waltz acoustically and just kind of have it happen. Like, again, if you listen to like any sort of like classic Celtic music, like it's all in six, eight, you know, it's kind of got that sea shanty, right. And, but it, it kind of moves, but that's just kind of how you expect it. But it it's, it's almost under the radar because there's no drums specifically. It's just kind of happening. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas this you're like, oh, okay, cool. There's like a, there is a shuffle. There's a groove um it's it's on par at least for me and this is again it's one of my favorite this is one of my favorite tracks on here um mm-hmm. it's got that groove very similar to like the purdy shuffle right if you're not if you're not familiar with it if your listeners aren't familiar with it look it up on youtube and you go oh that's the purdy shuffle they used a variation of it, uh jeff picaro on rosanna by toto oh right? okay and this has got that <laughs> same lineage right that's that's kind of where it's coming from not necessarily it's not copying but like that that same kind of feeling you're like oh that's cool that's why it feels like that yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah i want
0: yeah, to look up one. the purdy shuffle yeah that's pretty interesting
2: yeah there's there's the, the purdy shuffle came first and then the picaro shuffle <laughs> came after it again i mean you you should be able to picture it or hear it in your head instantly when i say rosanna because that's that's the that's the Picaro yeah. shuffle um and then this one's the burrows shuffle
0: <laughs>
2: you know I love Toto. Glad yeah. you said
0: that. <laughs> you, track, so number t- track number 10, these living arms.
2: Yeah. Now, I, I, I felt think I a
0: said... great melody here. Great melody returns to this. Yeah. Um, I love it.
2: What, uh, what were you going to say? Which part, verse or, or chorus?
0: Chorus. The chorus is always what gets me, usually. But I mean, if... I'm a big fan of pre choruses.
2: Yeah. Like the lift and then the fall. Yes. Yeah.
0: I'm gonna go with. Here's your pre.
2: That's the it's classic Jeff Martin pre-chorus, "Patience, my love." That's the Doors thing there too, right? Yeah. But yeah, he's so he's such a better he's such a better lyricist and such a better singer than Jim Morrison ever was. Hundred
0: you know, percent, yeah.
2: I feel like I feel like if you were alive in the '60s, The Doors was a thing, and then. <laughs> through the late 70s 80s and 90s kind of when we were coming up you were into the doors when you were like 12 and then you kind of grew out of it or you missed it completely <laughs> um because i mean basically he was just a raging alcoholic that screamed like he
1: wasn't, <laughs> it's just you know, he
0: what? i don't know and no knock to the doors fans out there because i know there's quite a few doors fans that actually i i know one that listens yeah to no, like, like, i know like but it's like i I'm just like what you, you, know, you like for me. i just yeah for me i don't There's nothing about them that has ever appealed to me. Not one single song. Yeah. I don't even... Like, I guess I could see how Jim Morrison was considered a sex symbol, but Mm -hmm. it still does nothing
2: for me. I just know. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's like if you were live in the 60s, it was a thing. You know, it was like I Mm -hmm. I personally, as a guitar player, I don't get off on Jimi Hendrix, like at all. I don't like him. I don't get it. I don't think he's particularly technically skilled. He made a bunch of noise, but... He was the first one to do it mm-hmm. you know and he was cool and he had yeah. big hair and he was black and he was a great music like and he was a good singer and he was a good songwriter i just personally i'm not like i'm not really attached to it but again i wasn't there yeah right you know what i mean like i feel like him the doors there's a, like like the mamas and the papas you know jefferson airplane like mm-hmm. white rabbit gag me with a spoon you know um <laughs>
0: No, but, but it's like, so, and especially if, if you're raised on something that like yeah. you listen to in the household a lot, that's yeah. going to have an effect on you too, whether, you totally. know, some totally. people are, are going to really love certain things that others aren't. Yeah. And it makes sense.
2: Yeah. yeah. But, um, any, but yeah, these any living part of this one? definitely, I'm sorry, what?
0: Yeah. Any part of this one in particular that speaks to you?
2: probably the the outro. I'm big on outros for some reason. I feel like <laughs> again it's that payoff. It's the release after the build up of the whole tune and this this song like when you get to that last what, the last 25 30 seconds of it is really just the payoff. Everything reaches kind of a pinnacle. The mm-hmm. the the harmonies meet the the lyrics and the the you know, he's kind of crying out uh, at the end, right? He's not mm-hmm. crying out, but he's the the lyrics are saying it and um yeah he's saying sweet love of mine or sweet something i can't remember exactly but it's per it's just it's great and then it wraps up Mm. boom and it hits the final note and it carries out and like it's done yeah
0: going into track 11 chimera which
2: is chimera yeah Uh,
0: this made me laugh when you said that this is filler to you because i think this is the greatest song on the album
2: okay interesting
0: isn't that crazy yeah I so absolutely what, love everything that's happening in it. Okay. Like the instrument, instrument wise, melody wise, the, the chord changes and stuff. It's just, I, I think it's fantastic. The piano, everything about it. I yeah. just was like, I put this in my playlist permanently. Okay, in My like okay. songs because I was like this song, it speaks to me. I really enjoy Fair. it.
2: Okay. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Interesting. Yeah. To me, it's kind of disjointed and like almost like, I don't know, I feel like it's like thrown at disparate parts kind of put together. Like it works. It's a song. Yeah. But again, I to me it kind of felt like an afterthought. And I just it's I've never this song particular, I've just never bonded with it.
0: That's interesting. Because yeah. I kind of liked how each part seemed to complement each other and Yeah. And come together nicely in my opinion. And I think that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know you know oh, yeah. what it could be even? It could even just be my teenage like my teenage music snobbery speaking through now it could be because when i'm listening to it i've just i just put it on here for a second really quickly to the chorus to see what i was thinking about um because I, mm-hmm. I i did i made some notes and i was like um uh what i put i, I put next to it i was like superman's dead um and i think <laughs> what i'm talking about is that guitar tone and the fill that he kind of uses mm-hmm. reminds me a lot of our lady peace and i mm-hmm. think when i heard that i was like mm, jeff you're better than that no <laughs> And I never really gave the song a second thought. Maybe that's why.
0: Maybe. Because sometimes I feel like, yeah, years ago, we listened to something for the first time and we kind of made our conclusions then. Yeah. And then maybe 20 years later, you listen to it and go, oh, okay. Yeah. But but it just depends. It's kind of like how I didn't like Brussels sprouts as a kid, but now I think they're great. Right. (laughs) Put them in a deep fryer. Oh, man. Yeah, put some sauce on them. Damn, they're
2: good. Fair, but they, yeah. that's what I mean. Like your tastes change a bit too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so. I mean, you know, I, I, at end of the day, it's still a tea party song, so I'm still gonna be like, yeah, cool. It's, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, I just, I feel like it could have been maybe left off, or just they could have continued working on it and just made it a little. I, I don't know. It's Shine, just polished it up a bit. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. I guess I <laughs> like I said. I guess I'm just weird. Um no, but no. it fades out. And leads into gone. Yes. the final track. uh, Here's my favorite track on the album. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's something about the way the melody builds up off of the simple guitar when it comes in and then the song can kind of continues to build all the way through. I think I'm also a sucker for string quartets Uh and this one's got one.
0: Oh, fantastic. I love anytime that's implemented in a, in a song, especially a rock yeah. track.
2: Um, uh, this has got a lot of like Eleanor Rigby elements to it, mm-hmm. to me, um, with the sort of, um, not, what do you, what do you call that? Like the, um, uh, the, just the strings with the, the, the sharp attack versus long drawn out stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just, I really like it and it's kind of simple. There's no drums on this, mm-hmm. um, but it's got that, I don't know, there's something, there's some shaker, right? But it's got a really cool, I don't know, it's got a really cool vibe, and I think, again... Adds that good. tactileness there. Yeah, bit. it's just reminiscent of Eleanor Rigby, and I really like it. I think it's just a really cool track. The the breakdown and, like, when the string quartet really sort of comes into its own in the last, like, three quarters, the last quarter of the song, I think, and it just really finishes. It's such a strong album closer maybe that's all it is with chimera to me it's sitting yeah. too close to gone and i'm just like this is the better song maybe gone that's has... all it is.
0: yeah maybe that is what it is it's replacement
2: like, like, dun, 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 like, right yeah and it's something so different for them too
0: it's gorgeous
2: yeah right this build up right here Ugh. Was that a yuck?
0: No, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I was yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's just a beautiful beautiful ending. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And then the it just slowly fades away and and then that's it right like it just ends with that little strings
0: according to the track listing there's a hidden track that's one minute and two seconds but it's not on the spotify version which was where i listened to the album oh interesting i don't know what is the hidden track it's just called untitled track Uh, 13. i don't know how deep it would be in because it was not at all on the spot it wasn't even extended at the end of gone which no. is what happens sometimes because as soon as Gone ended, it went into, here's more music you may like, you know how it is. Right. So, um, yeah. So I don't know what the hidden track is.
2: Let's see here. I'm going to try if I can find it. It's hard because sometimes people unload, upload stuff to, to um, YouTube and sometimes they don't. And the <laughs> Tea Party is one of those bands where there's, it's funny. There's just... Not a lot of stuff available. Like even if you look on like um, ultimate com or other online uh, guitar tab websites or like guitar, like sheet music websites, Mm -hmm. there's virtually nothing available for the tea party on there. Um, Again, I think that's due to their lack of commercial success in the U S but I think most of their fans um, are not necessarily trying to figure out how to play their songs, Um, which is weird to me. Because I've always I've always tried to play their songs. (laughs) Yeah. But that's just weird to me. Um
0: untitled. It's kind of how like I feel about I Mother Earth. Like
2: there's songs
0: that there's songs that they're just difficult. So bands don't really attempt them. Like like another Sunday, for instance, rhythmically. Like when you get to the bridge of that, it's very difficult.
2: Mm. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not finding it. And it's funny because I have um I have all of the tracks um digitally like I ripped them off the CD years Mm -hmm. ago but I wonder if that untitled one maybe got lost in the shuffle at some point um I'd have to actually dig out the actual physical CD copy to see if I could find it now you've got me uh on a mission I'm gonna have to find it and find out what it is
0: yes do it because there are some cool ones
2: um like at the end of uh um I think it's alhambra or it's maybe even was the original release release excuse me of um uh edges of twilight they did a secret track with um um what's his name there was a a british uh, folk artist Mm -hmm. that they did a a secret track with and um they they did one on the newest album with ian anderson from jethro tall yeah um yeah And they're always kind of like these cool little hidden, uh, these cute, cool little like songs and statements all on their own. And you're like, why didn't you turn that into a whole thing? Very cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, in wrapping up this album triptych, I was going to ask you in the whole discography of the tea party, how important is this album in general? And how important is it to you? Like, compared to the rest of them
2: I think that this it it's funny so I've, I feel similarly about this album like I said earlier like it's a return to form for them because yeah. they went out on a on a sort of an exploration to like find new and interesting sounds and just do some quote-unquote more modern things but this album really brought them back to what kind of made them who they were in the first place but it mm-hmm. still has some of those elements that they picked up along the way um, but I feel about this album kind of the same way I think Metallica fans felt about Metallica, Metallica when it came uh-huh. out. They're like, this is too different from where they were. We don't like it. Although I do like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's important for me because I like, you know, 99, I was in university. Um, I'd been listening to the tea party for like five or six years. By this point, most of my friends didn't know who they were. Every time I brought it up, you know, they, they, they the usual reaction was, oh, I don't like his singing or, oh, he looks like Jim Morrison or oh, I don't get the drums or whatever, but heaven <laughs> the same came, crap
0: we hear all the time. Yeah. yeah.
2: Heaven coming down became such a huge radio hit that suddenly everybody was like, yeah, I really love the tea party. And I was like, yes, I've got friends I can go to tea party concerts with now. Um, <laughs> And so it was, you know, it was important in my life. It was like validation almost uh, of this band that I knew and loved and thought was phenomenal that suddenly was having massive commercial success, or at least in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I felt like vindicated. It was the same, like the first time I heard uh, Superman's Dead. I'm not Superman Dead, excuse me, the Superman song um, yeah. I saw on Much Music um, by... Um, Oh, I'm crash test band, dummies by crash test dummies, and I was like, "Wow, these guys are going to be big." Yeah, and and I remember recording it like back in the days with VCRs. Like I recorded it, I waited, and I I played yeah. it for a couple of friends. I was like, "Oh, I love this song," and they're like, "Yeah, okay, whatever, dude, that's horrible." I'm like, "You watch, they're <laughs> going to be big," and then um mm-hmm came out. Weird Al Perry did it. They had you know songs in in um uh movie soundtracks like the whole bit, right? Yeah. and and I felt that way about the Tea Party. I'm like, these guys are going to be huge. And uh, and I don't think they hit quite as big as I thought they could, but they definitely did it in Canada. And yeah, yeah, they're
0: they're they're legendary in this country. Yeah. Um, Something to be said. It's funny because I like having a band that feels like my little secret. Okay, You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, I feel like I'm one of the very few fans of them. So I feel like it's I have this intimate connection with them and their music. Yeah, But at the same time, there's something so validating. It feels so good when you have friends that go, oh, I like that yeah and then they get into it too then then your secret you have to share it with the world and you're excited because it feels it feels good because they like it too but then it's like oh it's not my secret anymore
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a fine line to walk right it's hard because if you if you like if you're a true fan and and like an acolyte of the band where you're promoting them and like showing new people and trying to bring new fans to concerts like all that kind of stuff it's because you love them and you want to share the love of that that thing that you found with your friends. But to your point, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to lose that specialness if it gets too big. But of course, if it doesn't, is that a hipster? They can't thing to continue say? being abandoned, making more of the cool thing that you love. Right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think I fall, I side more on the I want my friends to love yeah. this too, because then we have something we can share in common. Totally. And I want them to get the same feelings from it that I do. Yeah. Kind of thing. Or, or influence them in feelings. some way in some right. way yeah influence yeah. them in some way that totally. they enjoy it in their own way yeah but yeah but no but i think it's kind of like a hipster sentiment to be like yeah i knew them before they were big
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, yeah totally
0: <laughs> oh thank you so much for doing another episode with me because yeah, the thanks last for having me. was so
2: fantastic we're gonna do it again yeah absolutely we'll pick another up. album do it, we'll do it another in another two or three months <laughs> yeah exactly
0: we'll pick another album so hopefully it'll be some, I'll, I'll, I'll drop some ideas for you and see sure. it's an yeah, album that I know about. better. I'm sorry if I wasn't completely as knowledgeable as I should have been for this one, but I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a learner with the tea party. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Than- no,
2: I think, I think it's fun to be able to, to share some knowledge, but also um, part of, I, th- at least the the thing that I feel about, about your podcast is it's like, nostalgia is yes definitely going back and looking at the things that we loved but it's also sometimes re-looking or re-examining the things we loved and kind of go what did i miss or what can i learn now 20 years on 30 years on or you know however long it's been and uh and i think that's the power of it and so that's that's the fun part for me was like listening to some of your reactions to the to the songs and going you know having the differing opinions from where i was sitting and and that kind of stuff and i'm like oh that's cool yeah
0: seeing introducing somebody Else to this thing for the first time, like we just said, but also like seeing where your process of of taking it in has changed in twenty years. Mm-hmm. Do you look at it differently now? Yeah, I can't watch the show Elf anymore.
2: The the <laughs> the movie. The,
0: no, no Elf, the TV series oh, with Al, the alien. Elf, the yeah, alien. Yeah, 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 yeah. Favorite show when I was a kid. I Love that right. show.
2: Yeah, it's terrible. It's really bad, isn't it? Yeah, don't it's go back awful. and watch it. Yeah.
0: so you're yeah you the way you take things in change your taste change
2: totally Yeah. totally i think it's more so with um with tv shows and movies because they are so visual mm-hmm. whereas music is like a book you know production wise you can sometimes you can listen to stuff and go wow yeah that's very 70s or oh that's very 60s or whatever but the lyric and 80s. melody
0: is always going to be lyric, the same
2: exactly the lyric and the melody if it's singable and it's good it's always going to be singable and good yeah right so yeah it can it can last
0: humor changes too
2: yes jokes change yes, but we so.
0: found funny before we don't necessarily find funny now yep so yes nostalgia is very interesting and i'm glad you were a big part of this with me so thank you thank you so much yeah
2: thanks again for having me. hit up our instagram
1: dope underscore nostalgia you like twitter better that's cool nostalgia dope or shoot us an email dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com
0: This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.